Welcome back to the Amateur Theatre Podcast and episode 22. Today we'll be talking to Anthony Webster, a long-time friend and collaborator on on numerous projects. We don't often get to catch up, so it was really nice to have a an in-depth chat with him, especially on the topic of theatre. He draws on a wealth of experience, both amateur and now as a working professional actor, and he talks across a number of subjects as we create staging posts through which an actor goes to get to a final character that's performed on the stage. Before we get to the chat, I um, just want to thank everyone for continuing to listen. It's really nice to see the audience building slowly. If you haven't already, it'd be great if you could follow us on Twitter. We are slowly interacting more and more on there. And do keep an eye on the website, as in the coming weeks and months, a whole load of new blogs will begin to find their way onto the website which will also probably feed into a new element of the podcast, which hopefully will be of interest to everyone. But until then, I bring you Anthony Webster. Enjoy. I have a bit of a beef about people who say, oh, it's only amateur, it's only amateur. That's cobblers. Because the people who really engage with amateur theatre, they're dedicated um, and, and well, I mean, the, the clues in the word, you know, amateur derives from a, a, a Latinate uh, to love. And if you don't have a love for the, for the pursuit, then you really shouldn't be in it at all, whether you're being paid or not. Do you get a feeling within those two different realms that that impacts upon the for want of a better word the professionalism of the people that are performing i'm trying to i'm basically trying to get a feel for whether someone who is within the working within the amateur field should begin to think more like a professional in order to get a better performance out of themselves or their cast if they're a director rather than allow that kind of feeling of oh it's just amateur we can you know we'll just muddle through don't worry and it's not going to affect anyone's lives if we get up all wrong. I think the key word is respect, uh, mutual respect, because uh, it, it's a double-edged sword having that kind of, well, mixing my, my metaphors, that Damocles sword hanging over your head where uh, your, your reputation hangs on what you do. Uh, so I, I've, I've seen professionals enter... Um, uh, rehearsals uh, and performances for screen and for theatre, and they're and they're a bag of nerves. And I sometimes think that that's that set of factors that hang upon their performance. The, those 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 consequences of of what happens can't be uh, can't be helping things, you know. Uh, and the last thing that a performer needs is this nagging at the back of their head saying, you know, there's six or seven reviewers uh, in the audience. There's, uh, there's somebody from the RSC three rows back. Um, you know, you've got to do a good job. And uh, that that kills your, your freedom. As a performer, you want to get rid of all that because that, that does you no good at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, in the amateur sphere, yeah, you've you've got your your friends and your family who've come to see you on your opening night, and opening night's always a bit kind of like you know, 
uh, hope the curtain doesn't fall down and hope hope the lights don't burst and but you if you again can relax in that space and often it's a space that you're very familiar with anyway in the in the amateur world because uh, I don't know of many amateur companies who uh, who tour extensively but it does happen um so you know you, there's there's so much more that you're familiar with and the people again you've probably been in and in many of the productions with that changes on the product on the professional circuit um unless you're with an established company does that go some way to answering the question I, yeah yeah definitely no I, a lot yeah. and, and... There's there's a few things I just jotted down on my piece of paper just that I would like to pull out that I think is clearly relevant between or across both the professional and the amateur that you sort of just touched on. Um, but yeah, the idea I, I do like that idea that what you're actually looking to do is it's not it's not just the the professional performance that matters. It's the professionalism that matters across the board. It's not you know in order to you know, have a professional show work, everyone needs to be professional, but to get the best amateur show going, you should, everyone should seek to be as professional as they possibly can within that space as well, because that will then engender the correct sort of approach to exactly. peace. And, and, you know, there are, there are personal responsibilities in that. So, you know, learn your lines, um, turn up to rehearsals on time, you know, um, be, uh, be respectful for the other people who, uh, who are using their space and, uh, you know, if you've got um, if you've got responsibilities of looking after your costume, make sure you turn up with it. There's, there's sensible things that um, um, you know respect the the half hour call for the performance or the hour call. Um, um, you know, and, and and with the the company that I've uh, worked with yourself there, Siege Theatre. You know, there's there's tasks in setting out the performance space uh, and the audience um, seating. So you know, you, you pull your all. With, with the team and actually actually that makes for a better performance i think because everybody knows you're singing on the same sheet yeah yeah i agree with that it's a it's a that's a weird dichotomy between what some of the benefits that amateur seems to bring is that you do get a stronger gel building up between the group because as you say they're doing activities yeah. together but they're also going to the yeah. pub afterwards and having chats together and they're also you know yeah. spending probably more time over the course of three months together yeah. socially and within the the sort of sphere of rehearsals and that does allow for a lot of conversation whether it's just personal or even character based stuff to kind of unfold yeah so i do see some benefits to the to the setup for amateur but again if they work best if people are conforming to the things you've just mentioned for sure. Like yes. even the littlest things. Where I would say uh, professional is a professional can have the edge. There would be times where there's somebody that you don't always see eye to eye with. There's some friction. There's something that happens. And, you know, uh, the professionalism kicks in where you say, actually, I'll take this on the chin because um, the show the, the the whole thing is only going to take a, like uh, a month, two months. It's a short time in my life um, for the good of the company, for the bonhomie and the the end results. Uh, you know, I'll, um, I'll I'll make that warm smile and I'll say, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'll I'll take that on board uh, or whatever. And um, rather than 
a big kickoff for a, a, you know a, a rare or whatnot, um, and that's and that's what can get a awkward uh, performance, an awkward production uh, to the finish line. Um, and so, amateur, you know, uh, and amateur can be just as professional in this way. Um, I've been involved in some productions where I've seen some fraying around the edges, but people have kind of said, you know, actually, we've got a good thing happening here, and I want to be part of this good thing. And uh, and if I kind of upset the boat, then we lose that. Um, so yes, that that's that's a that's a good positive for professionalism, I think. I guess if I can, I'd like to dissect it with you so that, that there might be some specific takeaways because I, the overall concept and the way you frame it is very nice. If there were some specific staging posts that we could identify that someone going through that process might be able to say, okay, I've hit that. I can look back yeah. and say, right, I've achieved this, this, and this now for the yeah. next phase or however whatever yeah. terminology we'd like to use but it would be great if we could if i could pick your brains and and kind of develop that co how would you describe that and what would you say goes into creating your your version of that uh, craft craft i'm going to draw an analogy many moons ago i went to florence and um and we we had some kind of dead time we, there was some guided kind of tours and um, activities but there was some dead time and I, I was wandering some of the streets through Florence and I stumbled across this this shop you know like a back street uh, um, well out of the the, the nebulous the, the center of the city um, a part of the city you kind of like just ignore really um, anyway I found this this shop a mask shop um, and I tell you from the front it looked like uh, like something out of Charles Dickens, all that smoky glass and uh, peered through. I entered the shop and a world opened up on me. It was a world of brilliance, light from every corner of the room, masks peering from the ceilings, the walls, the tables, every surface you could imagine. And uh, it was, it was, a soul-shaking experience. The, I mean, these masks, like, it was uh, every kind of expression you could imagine. Um, and right at the end of the room, this room, it was like, it was like, uh, the, this room seemed to just stretch forever. It was like the corridor in uh, in a Stephen King film. It was this real, this room, this gent behind a, like a desk counter at the, the the far end of this room, I made my way to him, and he looked like uh, he looked like Geppetto uh, with his his uh, uh, bib on uh, his overall, which is curious because the next street round was where Pinocchio was written, uh, but that's an aside. Uh, and this chap, uh, I saw him making these masks, and uh, he ran these courses. Um, Mask making courses last about a week, two weeks in Florence. So the following year, I 
I went back to Florence. I think it was the following year. And I did this mass making course. And uh, every morning I'd get up, I'd see the sights, do the tourist thing. Of the afternoon, I'd go to the, the workshop and I'd make these paper mache masks. And he, he'd teach a small group of us, about six or eight of us, how to make these masks. Traditionally made masks. He makes them for um, the Italian opera and he makes them for exhibitions in New York. And he's globally renowned. And this guy has decades behind him. I mean, he is a, a professor of his art. But he started from experimentation. He made them uh, self-taught, and then he kind of uh, looked into the uh, different methods of making masks, and he refined his, his skills, and he, uh, as he did so, he used uh, different materials. He found out which materials worked best. He, he researched which materials were were traditional. And he, he decided on the path that he wanted to take. And he made his connections. And now, and now this is a very long-winded way of saying that an actor has to do the same. Now, your craft is specific to you. Um, there's no one person that can emulate what you do. You have to develop as opportunity comes along, um, as you have the resources to do it. Um, as you have opportunity to practice it. Um, that's what I mean by craft. Now, now you can look up things and you can, you can learn from the hands of a master and you can, you can gain guidance and you can, you can get stuck and you can experiment and you can get stuck again and you can throw the thing in the bin and you can then pick it up three months later and say, you know, this is in my blood. I've got to, I've, I've got to pursue this. Um, and uh, and then you'll you'll come to a point where you're actually pretty proficient, and you'll you'll look back and you'll think, well, I've I've, I've come a distance here. Uh, this is this has been a journey, but you have to have a mind to the footsteps ahead. There's much more to take in the path than you've already trod. But, but the key is that you have to put the you have to put the time in. You have to kind of work at it. You can't just hang a plaque on your door and say, "Yes, I'm an actor." Um, you, you've got to you've got to want to do it, um, and you've got to be prepared for the knocks as well. And also feeling that really there would be a void if it was absent from their lives. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a it's a lovely way of packaging it up from from out of the analogy that you gave us we can try and find a uh yeah like i say just a set of things that, that an amateur could possibly aim for or look at that yeah, might yeah. kind of like help them tick boxes to say that they're making progress because i i appreciate that with an amateur and again this yeah. isn't none of this is true for everyone but it it's difficult if you're doing two shows a year to really see how you're developing and get the correct feedback that you need mm -hmm. to say that you're making you know, good steps forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's cool. Um, well, let me stress, uh, first of all, uh, this is a work in progress, you know? Yeah. yeah. So what I say is what I'm trying to apply. And I say trying, you know, it's, I fail a lot. 
So, if you know or feel you know the direction that you want to go, then it's sensible to do things that that advance you in that direction. Now, if nothing really kind of springs to mind, you know, you kind of go with the flow. There are there are always certain skill sets that you might consider which uh, are enjoyable in their own right. Yes, and, and I think that's possibly something that isn't fully appreciated by uh, the amateur performer, in that the director looks for the person who can bring the tools to the job. Yeah. So I guess that feeds us into kind of a conversation about auditions and the more technical beginnings of the more technical world of being involved in theatre. So I guess I would like to ask what your thoughts, and again, I think these things all sort of feed together, but um, it's slightly out of the craft conversation, but audition-wise, have you got a in your head a process through which you attack those auditions with the knowledge that you're you have yourself or you were learning that helps you get roles as we're doing my work um that's prior to the um prior to the day right that's that's about preparation you you've, you've got to you've got to put the the work in You've you've got to learn your words. You've got to you've got to read around it. You, you've got to try and understand what this character is. Um, invariably, the the um, the sites that you're given, the audition uh, piece that you're given, um, maybe uh, something without context. You know, a a four side or or even two or, or more. Um, and uh, you're, you're struggling to find out what this character is, why he's saying what he's doing, uh, what uh, what the people around him uh, are like, what the power structures are. Um, has he always been this way? Has has he changed? Um, all these motivating factors, you know. Um, so you, you you've got to do your homework. Um, you've you've got to put this in. Um, work with this whilst physically doing something and to that end i would say um get used to doing something whilst saying these words and it can be can be the most mindless of things in fact uh, that actually helps i think uh to do the most mindless of things so uh, uh you know you're uh, uh you're changing the duvet the duvet cover your um uh, you're uh, going for a walk. You're um, uh, polishing your shoes. You're, you're doing things that are uh, manual and mechanical, um, whilst working with your lines. Uh, that that's important because your body has to be used to doing something. Yeah, it's all too often I see someone who comes in who's obviously read it in front of a mirror or stood and read it with it in their hand, and yeah, there's no yeah. movement involved at all. Yeah, and yeah. that idea that you might you know, even like you say, the most inane movement triggers your mind and your body to realize that I may have to read these lines while actually doing something rather than just holding the piece of paper and stood still. Yeah, yeah. And you would think that's common sense, but we, we forget about that because we're so absorbed in the fact that, well, I have to learn these words that aren't mine. So that's where I'm going to pour all my focus. And then the rest is forgotten. You, you, you're a body in space. And 
And really, that's that's more important in many ways because uh, what up to seventy odd percent of communication is physical. So if you're not articulating these words with your physicality, or or as a choice, not articulating the words with your physicality, but that has to be a choice, then then the the, the meaning's lost. You, you you're saying nothing. You're saying nothing at all. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. And that, in terms of that, just um, this is a second side tangent of our craft thing, but I think it, it hopefully will tie us back in. What, what if any, like practical or theoretical tools are you utilizing to to create that character? I think it's it's all about reflecting in practice and reflecting on practice. What you do in the moment having that little, very quick kind of, actually, was that right? Well, I'll put that aside for the moment and I'll think about it after the show. And then the after the show, where you kind of sit back, maybe with a beer in your hand, or maybe you're chatting with others, your peers, and you're saying, uh, you know, actually, um, I, I think I actually kind of laboured that pause a bit long, you know, in that second scene, or, you know, um, Oh, what, how do you feel about coming in straight in after I've said that word? Because it shows more urgency, or you know, you're you're refining your 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 practice, you're refining your um, your performance, your skill set. Well, this wasn't written by a theatre practitioner. These quotes. This is uh, John Dewey, uh, Democracy and Education. And the book was published in 1916. Um, this is, this is uh, as follows. So, uh, only an environment which secures the full use of intelligence in the process of forming habits can counteract this tendency. And the tendency is for settling down. Now, this is... Uh, routine habits... And habits that possess us instead of our possessing them are habits which put an end to plasticity. Now, I think this really kind of fits in with theatre. It's about, in that chapter, it's all about uh, really uh, how children uh, explore play uh, without inhibition, without inhibition, completely freely. And they'll elaborate and they'll, you know, develop a, uh, a little kind of plot together with their friends and they say, oh, yes, I'll, I'll be, the, I'll be the, the, uh, the bank robber this time and you'll be the, the cop. Uh, uh, and yes, I, I'm hiding here, but, but no, you can't catch me because now I've got this. And, and, and there's uh, growth and there's development and there's a, a complete uh, denial of restriction. Um, and there's a willingness to expand on the rules or change them, I and so. But it's it's also reflected on and remembered, and so the next time they play that game, well, you know, we'll play that game again. And uh, yes, but instead of doing that, let's do this. And and this is theatre, you know. We, we we do exactly the same in theatre. We uh, uh, we we go and see a show, and we say, actually, that was good. I quite like how they did that. 
but actually, I think I'd tweak it in this way. And um, and I think as you brush against various formal theories, you incorporate that into your personal theory. Um, and the personal theory might not be something that you state explicitly. I think it's something you kind of live by, like a like a moral code, like a an ethical kind of bias. Uh, there are things that kind of run through our spinal cord which sort of make us lean or make us upright, uh, uh, tend towards one thing or another. Um, so, yes, uh, Stanislavski, um, I've... Um, yeah, I have a, a lot of regard for that. Um, there's a, a publication which I'd um, recommend to people as well um, called uh, "Different Every Night." It, it's a it's a good read. It's it's a well worth well worth reading. Um, and and there's a lot in that that chimes with me. Um, uh, I think when you have a a fluency in what you do then it opens up um, uh, the possibilities of play and variation. So um, so I, I know people can kind of um, lean towards improv um, as, as a means of play, uh, and I'm not averse to that. But I personally think that there has to be a, an anchoring. I think there has to be some knowns in a production for it to kind of hang together. There has to be a structure. Um, so I favour structure uh, in the main. So that that last section, you kind of highlighted, well, something I really like, which is the idea of that childish play and the, the ability of people to or no, not the ability, the the process that people should look to maybe um, either utilize yeah. as an understanding of what they should be doing as an adult or even incorporate, which is this idea of kind of, I think you the word you used was denial of restrictions or something along those lines. I try to scribble it down as you were saying it, but this idea that you, know, you, you need to create the freedom through which you can play and try stuff out and develop it live and obviously with with your quote and with the the specific reference to kind of like in the moment and then after the moment coming back and looking at it and analyzing what you're doing and why you're making certain choices is creating a a thing within the actor's mind that says it's all right to to try stuff and fail yes. because you're looking it back at it and you're learning from those experiences and kids go about it in a way that's like it doesn't matter because they're, they're constantly reiterating and they're changing and they're developing and no one's yep. saying that's right or wrong. It's just the process through which they are exactly. creating the world exactly. they're operating and, in. And, and we formalise that into, the word, in a, into a word called learning. I mean, that's their best way, the best way of learning to, to experience and to do and then to formulate rules that kind of explain our world you know and you will make mistakes yeah okay so can i again just just 
we've we're we're now on a I think a tangent of a tangent of a tangent. Let's just <laughs> I'll find I promise it must all feed back to craft somehow. The a couple just want to pull a couple of the words out and again try and have you talk around them or at them if you can because mm-hmm. obviously you brought them up and it just feels natural to to just dig a little deeper into them. This idea the the a while back you you mentioned choices and I think two things preceding that I'd like to discuss as well as choices are this idea that that what you've just said in terms of the actor and their ability to this might be my word but play or or have the flexibility to try stuff and fail but also then there, there's a necessity to have a, a level of and again this is my word and I'm not sure you said it but a vulnerability and this feeds out what you were saying about kind of like it's not you're not being judged you're not being critiqued you're, you're within the the rehearsal space or whatever it is in terms of putting the show on you're attempting to get the best possible thing out of yourself and then place that into your character and it feels like that kind of flexibility vulnerability and then making choices are another staging post in my mind for this craft thing so i'm wondering if you could talk about this like third section which is yes. the kind of the act of doing and how you in your head i don't know overcome people watching you and I'm talking maybe in rehearsals rather than the show, yeah. where you, how you overcome the, I'm going to try this. I may look like an idiot, but I've got to do it because I feel like something from that might sit with my character very nicely. It might be the, not the thing I'm about to show you, but it's this thing. And how you're flexible and, and kind of vulnerable and yes, make those yeah, choices, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, I follow you. Well, uh, okay. Uh, but first of all, if Shakespeare can write uh, a line in his sonnet, uh, as an imperfect actor on the stage, it shows that... Um, he was fully aware of that um, feeling an actor has of not being quite the the the, the real McCoy, uh, that kind of imposter feeling, um, and this is this is quite a common thing in uh, in the profession. Um, that you know, uh, am I actually doing this right? Is this is is this working um to kind of combat stresses and and fears i tend to look beyond the show i look to the next thing um and that kind of puts things into context because it's not uh it's not the cliff edge that you kind of envisage it to be you know there are things beyond um and this is a task in your day uh, this is not to make it humdrum and um, and commonplace, because it's not. And there shouldn't be anything in an actor's uh, uh, profession that is really, because it's it's a it's a privileged uh, place to be taking the words of somebody else and breathing life into them. Um, but this is a strategy. It's a it's a coping mechanism that allows you to. Put things in a um, in a timeline, in a perspective, um, and the things that will follow this might be nothing to do with acting. There might be a bit of DIY that I've got to do at home. I might have to um, take somebody to a hospital appointment, you know, in two days' time, or um, or uh, meet somebody for a, a tea and cakes somewhere, you know. Um, so there are there are means by which you can cope with that uh, that feeling of uh, of angst 
Um, in the doing of it on the stage, if you've got your your prep in place and your your rehearsals have gone well, and you have invested yourself in the character. Um, from a personal perspective, the things that I'm most conscious about are the the things that are outside my control. So the the technical stuff. Um, um, am I in the right light? Um, is the sound working? Um, there have been some performances where um in public space where we've not really known what um uh, audience will do um or people who've suddenly become audience that shouldn't have been become audience um there's uh, there's things outside of your control that um that, that you're you're conscious of and if you've if you've really worked your character and you really know your part, then you just have to trust in um, in doing your job, you know. Um, so, so these are these are kind of like the the bedrocks, and then I think we have to allow time for experimentation. I think um, when you work through something, there has to be a moment where we say. Uh, uh, you know, let's run that again. But what about this? Um, uh, can we incorporate this physicality into this? Um, um, I see this more as um, uh, malevolent, or uh, there's, there's a certain theme in this. Or we'll be working with this particular prop. There'll be a lot of blood on the stage, or there's there's, there's this that we can't. Um, make manifest here but i want you to be aware of it uh because you know uh this space is big so you're gonna have to project so yeah the, the, that's where play comes into it yeah. yeah 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 okay and how much how prescriptive or not do you would you like a director to be do you want a a, a quite stringent set of blocking or do you want a quite stringent character you know, uh, breakdown as you walk into the room, or do you find it more of a collaborative? We'll develop it as we go, but here's a skeletal framework. Kind of, what's the what works best for you in terms of uh, constructing those characters and 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 the space as well? Um, it depends. It's it's pr production um, specific, really. Um, I, my personal my personal feeling is to go with more structure than less with more guidance on character with with the option for that to be changed if the director feels fit um, it gives me some reassurance that the director has a vision um, I, I need some anchor point I need to know who I am and, and why I'm there in order for me to know where I go that pans back to this vulnerability. Being comfortable with being vulnerable, you have to uh, allow yourself to change and be open to new ideas. 
but, but you also have to draw on your own experience, knowing what has worked and what hasn't worked in the past, and your understanding of human nature. So if it's patently obvious to you that well, the person really wouldn't react that way under those circumstances, then uh, you have to make the case. Uh, I mean, ultimately, uh, it's, it's the director's choice. Uh, they have to carry the can. And, uh, and they make the choices, and you have to respect that and, and understand that the choices are made with, within a bigger picture. So, yeah, okay, that's nice. One last question on that, and it, it could just be a a one or two word answer, or there could be more to it. But where where do you see kind of there's uh, in my head? There's always these three things. You've got this this one weird thing, which is like this natural raw talent, which whether it can be taught or not. I'm saying it can't be, but that's not maybe not a be or end all if you be all an end all to you being an actor. But there's this raw talent thing that people have. There's this thing where you can learn a lot about acting. So you can study a lot of things. You can read a lot of different books. You can you can hone your theoretical skills and implement those things on stage. And then there's this thing that's experience. You can do 30 mm. years of theatre and do 300 shows and have something that someone who's just fresh out of drama school will not have, no matter how much raw talent and learning they've done. And I'm yeah. wondering, is there, if someone listening was to, to kind of want some guidance as to where to focus their energies, is one of those three kind of the best thing to consider? Or is it all of those things just working in harmony together? Or, and again, it's, it's not yeah. maybe a trick question. I just, it just seems like those three things seem to come up over and again in these conversations. Mm. And if there was yeah. a way of deciding where to focus yeah. your energies. I think, you know. um, yeah, right. Well, if I was to draw a, a Venn diagram, it would be the intersection of all three that you'd want to aim for. And the, the idea of raw talent is, I think, is a misnomer. I, I'm, I'm not convinced that someone is born a, an actor. I think it's exposure. I think it's exposure to acting. Now, that's either seeing it um, as a performance or seeing people in the real world who, who convey something of performance, show something in their being, in their nature that uh, impresses upon you. So I so I think yeah I think we all know people who who have a certain personality who are or, or a certain way about them that sort of you know destroys you somehow or certain situations I think that is what this natural talent is I think it's something we absorb around us that we in within our environment I I, I don't I don't personally believe in the the born with natural talent and so and so really that that pulls into play really a learning by observation um, which i think is is important uh, a learning by uh, immersion the learning by uh, by book 
and by theory and by um, study um, has its place. Uh, and I think I think it's more a place of refining, of refining what you already have or, or an interest in what you already have. I think you may uh, try your hand at something. Uh, it's a bit of acting and think, oh, yeah, actually, that, that was quite good. But, but somebody said that it was a little bit wooden. Well, well what does that mean? And, uh, and, and how have other people overcome that? And then you have this, uh, this third thing, which uh, uh, reflective practice. So reflection in and reflection on. So I think, yeah, long time experience pays dividends but only if you bring it under the microscope.